Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Today in Science from Wired. Cities are unlikely yet powerful weapons to fight climate change. The UN's latest IPCC report paints a dire picture for the species of Earth, but it also suggests how urban areas can help humanity face down the threat. By Matt Simon. The UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change dropped the latest in its string of damning reports on the current state of the climate and its prognosis. The big picture? The effects are appearing much faster than scientists expected two decades ago, and they're more severe and pervasive. Today, some 3.5 billion people are highly vulnerable to the ravages of climate change, rising seas, heat waves, droughts, wildfires. One of the most striking conclusions in our report is that we're seeing adverse impacts being much more widespread and being much more negative than expected in prior reports, said co-author Camille Parmesan of the University of Plymouth and University of Texas at Austin, speaking at a press conference announcing the findings. The report, authored by hundreds of researchers from 67 countries who reviewed more than 34,000 scientific references, finds that if the world reaches 2 degrees Celsius of warming above pre-industrial temperatures, extinction will very likely threaten up to 18% of species in terrestrial ecosystems. And it notes that mortality is already rising among some species, like corals killed by bleaching, trees damaged by drought, and the mass die-off among kelp forests. People are no exception to the health risks of a warmer world. The report calls out the increased risk of illness from food or waterborne pathogens like freshwater cyanobacteria, as well as cardiovascular and respiratory problems caused by wildfire smoke and atmospheric dust. Rapid warming is also compromising the planet's capacity to sequester excess carbon from the atmosphere, an ability which has so far helped save humanity from itself. Some places, Parmesan continued, even in areas that are undisturbed, such as intact old-growth Amazon rainforests and parts of the permafrost in undisturbed areas in North America and northern Siberia, are starting to turn from being overall net sinks of carbon, so sucking up more carbon than they put out, to turning into overall net sources of carbon. The report also spills significant ink about the fates of cities, both in terms of their vulnerabilities and their power to fight climate change. 
I think one of the things that comes out of the report is that cities in and of themselves provide that classic example of a challenge as well as opportunity, said co-author William Selecki of the City University of New York's Hunter College at the press conference. We recognize the world is very rapidly urbanizing. Up to 70% of the world's population by 2050 will live in cities. We're concentrating lots of lots and lots of people in these very small places that are bullseyes for any kind of natural disaster, let alone a human-compounded natural disaster from climate change, adds Jonathan Foley, executive director of Project Drawdown, which advocates for climate action but wasn't involved in the report. That's actually increasing the risk of really bad things to happen to lots of people all at once. But the good news is that cities could be designed so much better than they are now. That's urgent because the world's cities are rapidly getting hotter. The new IPCC report emphasizes, By the end of the century, up to three-quarters of humans could be exposed to deadly heat stress, up from a third of people today. If the world ends up warming more than 4 degrees Celsius by the year 2100, outdoor workers in South Asia, tropical sub-Saharan Africa, Central and South America, could see up to 250 more days a year of stressfully hot working conditions. In Europe, heat stress will affect two to three times the number of people if the world warms three degrees Celsius compared to 1.5 degrees Celsius. Urbanization will expose billions of people to the dreaded urban heat island effect, in which the built environment absorbs the sun's energy during the day and releases it slowly throughout the night. This can make a city significantly hotter than surrounding rural areas, where vegetation releases water vapor, essentially sweating to cool the air. Within cities, richer areas also have more trees and are cooler than poorer areas, which might be more industrialized and scabbed over with heat-absorbing concrete. In New Orleans, for instance, a separate team of scientists previously found that one neighborhood can be far hotter than another, largely due to the lack of vegetation. When combined with bad air quality, this exacerbates health problems already driven by racial and economic inequity, the new report notes. In many places, climate change is intersecting with existing socioeconomic inequities with long-standing histories of marginalization of some populations, including through the legacy of colonialism, says Rachel Cletus, policy director of the Climate and Energy Program at the Union of Concerned Scientists and a report co-author. Because of that, some people in places are even more highly exposed and at risk. For instance, higher temperatures combined with increased rain, a warmer atmosphere holds more water, and flooding have boosted the occurrence of diarrheal diseases like cholera. But the report also notes that as cities grow, there's a critical opportunity to make them more equitable and more resilient to climate change. As we invest in upgrading our public housing infrastructure, let's do it in a way that's forward-looking. Let's make sure it's energy efficient, says Cletus. There's really opportunities to upgrade our infrastructure in a way that both addresses long-standing inequities and also invests in climate resilience. Creating more green spaces is the obvious choice. That would both cool and beautify a neighborhood, but scientists are also experimenting with higher-tech solutions like reflective pavements and paints for roofs, which deflect the sun's energy back into space, or rooftop gardens shaded by solar panels that generate power and cool a building, and roads that capture rainwater instead of just shuttling it to the sea. Urban planners are also investigating how to build out charging infrastructure in poorer neighborhoods, which would encourage the adoption of electric vehicles and decrease local air pollution. And on the national scale, the U.S. Congress has considered reviving the Depression-era Civilian Conservation Corps, which could task workers with jobs like retrofitting buildings with better insulation and windows. 
These are good examples of a strategy called multi-solving, or reducing emissions while fixing a second problem at the same time. We feel like multi-solving is a bit of an underground movement that many, many people are doing, but they don't really realize they're part of a bigger thing, says Elizabeth Sawin, director of the U.S.-based nonprofit Multi-Solving Institute. They're just addressing problems in their community in a way that makes sense. The new IPCC report uses a different term for a similar idea. They call it climate-resilient development, meaning solutions that combine climate adaptations with strategies to reduce emissions. Evidence shows that climate-resilient development processes link scientific, indigenous, local, practitioner, and other forms of knowledge, the report reads, and are more effective and sustainable because they are locally appropriate and lead to more legitimate, relevant, and effective actions. That local buy-in is important, Sawin says, because otherwise legislators risk implementing solutions that a community doesn't want. Or they might inadvertently trigger green gentrification if these climate improvements make the area more desirable to outsiders, drive up the value of real estate, and price out the longtime residents. When you look across these projects, you see that the way that they're working is very similar in terms of this inclusiveness of community voices, or focus on equity, says Sawan of multi-solving efforts. Often they are sort of organic and iterative, as opposed to kind of top-down plans imposed on a place. Take, for example, one of the key threats to urban environments mentioned in the new IPCC report, sea level rise. The report notes that if global sea levels go up half a foot, the number of people exposed to a disastrous 1 in 100 year coastal flood will jump by 20%. On average, the coastlines of the U.S. could see a foot of sea level rise by 2050, according to a recent federal report. For low-lying and coastal communities, the increasing intensity of tropical storms and hurricanes combined with sea level rise will result in losses and damages, despite our best efforts to adapt, said report co-author Adele Thomas, senior Caribbean research associate for the Impact Project at Climate Analytics at the press conference. And unfortunately, these negative impacts of climate change have disproportionate effects on those that are least able to respond, the poorest and most vulnerable communities. One fix is to throw up a giant seawall, like the Army Corps of Engineers is proposing for Miami, which could see three and a half feet of sea level rise by the end of the century. But some local residents have criticized the idea because it'll decrease property values and instead are pushing for nature-based solutions like restoring wetlands, which naturally absorb excess water. Adaptation is no substitute for cutting emissions, the new IPCC report emphasizes, and Sawin agrees. We can't say that too many times. That number one priority is keeping fossil fuels in the ground so that what we have to adapt to is manageable. But while the world is changing fast, if there's a silver lining to the report, it's that cities can change fast too. It's been understood for a long time that climate risks don't just depend on how much climate change we get. They also depend on how vulnerable society is, says Brian O'Neill, a coordinating lead author of the report and director of the Joint Global Change Research Institute, a partnership between the Pacific Northwest National Laboratory and the University of Maryland. Rapidly growing urban areas can be designed to protect residents from a warmer world and to make sure disadvantaged groups aren't left out. Cities don't have to be victims of climate change. They can become the crucibles that forge resilience against it. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more science news at wired.com science. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? 
Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.